Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. When you love meat, you find a way to take it with you everywhere you go, especially when it comes to getting outdoors. That's why Smithfield has so many high-quality, delicious meats that are perfect for any outdoor adventure. Whether the park you're headed to is a national park or just the one down the street, like Smithfield marinated roasted garlic and cracked black pepper fresh pork tenderloin, expertly seasoned for on-the-go flavor, or prime fresh smoked ham that'll have you building on-the-go sandwiches packed with flavor. Smithfield Extra Meaty Back Ribs bring hand-selected perfection to the backyard, and Smithfield Anytime Favorites will help you take the ham you savor to the places you love. From diced ham that'll turn any picnic into an outdoor feast, to hickory smoked boneless ham steaks that are the perfect cap to any hike. The great outdoors just got greater with Smithfield. For the love of meat. We have been recently seeing all of the reasons that becoming a strong and physical presence to protect your family is important, as if we weren't aware of that before. But where and how does that apply to your life? Where do you start? What do you look for? Well, my guest today, Tyler Minton, and I discuss exactly this. Tyler is the owner and coach for Ethos Nutrition Coaching. He's a former professional fighter, and he's a husband and father to two young boys. In this episode, we dive into Tyler's childhood of getting bullied and how that led him to wrestling and then into MMA and fighting, how martial arts and fight training develop situational awareness, the importance of being a protector for your family and community. We also get into nutrition truths and myths, how to make simple and powerful changes, and how to know if someone is a researcher or just a searcher. This was a jam-packed episode, so buckle in and enjoy this episode of the Nomad Strength Show with Tyler Minton. All right, everybody, we are back. I'm here joined today by Tyler Minton. What's up, man? Thanks for making time. How you doing, man? Looking forward to it. Yeah, man, I'm looking forward to it too. I've been following you for, I know you probably get it a lot frequently, but um, Greg sharing your stuff was where I originally found uh, your account and everything. So he's been speaking very highly of you for yeah. a long time now. So, uh, anytime he's one of those guys, like if Greg tells me to check someone out, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go check someone out. Yeah. So. Cause, cause, cause Greg, Greg is, uh, has a very strong BS meter. So yes, very much. So those things very well, <laughs> very much. So, um, and then we got to hang out a little bit at winter strong, which was cool. I was pumped that you got to, that you were able to make it down there. So how was that? experience for you like being around for that weekend winter strong was awesome for me it's something i've always i've always wanted to go to but uh since yeah. they've been doing it but you don't just get to go you have to be asked right, right. so <laughs> it was uh it, it was it was really cool for me because you know i i got asked uh, i got invited by brendan Lilly, who 
yeah you know is it, it's been a, a friendship i've formed which has been really cool too a, a friendship formed through greg because uh, yeah. uh you know when i first started lifting um, power lifting is what i was kind of naturally drawn to so i i, I was a big fan of what brandon lily was doing uh, then yeah, so i kind of followed him up and then i remember on instagram one day i saw this thing that said brandon lily followed you and i'm like like just think like oh that's kind of like the old power lifter guy and uh right. i looked at his page and i'm like holy smokes it is that brandon lily and <laughs> yeah. uh you that's know funny, we, we chatted and became buddies but he uh yeah it, it was a lot of fun that that's my kind of people i joke around locally yeah. here because I, I hunt every season i can possibly hunt if it's if it's yeah. huntable i'm doing it or, or fit and when there's no hunting i'm fishing um to to be surrounded by people who are all of those things but they're also businessmen and experts of their field yeah. it's it's kind of like a a country club of hunters so it was a, it was yeah. a really cool thing for me emphasis on country yeah because <laughs> that's, that's that's really what it is it's so, awesome that's funny we have uh <laughs> i was just thinking because i i met greg through brandon oh, wow. so it was like we have the opposite opposite way of of connecting with those two guys which that's is pretty funny. funny so um but you've done a lot of really cool things and I want to get into a lot of it with you. Um, one of the things I really want to get into, because you do a lot of nutrition coaching, that's kind of your jam right now. And the way that you go about it is really great. And we talk about Greg having like a no BS meter, right? Uh, that's the reason I think he likes this approach that you that you teach so much is because that's how you approach it as well. Like this is the no BS approach to all of this. Um, we simplify this. It's, you know, it can be simpler than a lot of people are making it in the nutrition space specifically. Right. So, um, but before we get into that, athletically, you've done a lot. You were, you did some professional fights and stuff for a long time. I, I kind of want to hear a little bit of the backstory about how you got into, you know, the coaching and the athletics and that part and why, you know, and maybe how fighting became where you decided to go down. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's weird. I still, I'll, I'll see people out and about occasionally who went to school with me. And that's the first thing they want to talk about is how they never would have expected it. Um, really? cause I was, I was not a, a very popular kid. And in fact, I got picked on a lot. Um, and a lot of, I was an overweight kid and I was just, mm. the, I had no confidence. You could pretty much say whatever you wanted to about me, do whatever you wanted. And I was just going to hang my head and not do anything about it. Um, and eventually I just, I kind of got, tired of being that kid so i started wrestling because honestly i was looking for a, a sport that would make me better at football and to mm. help me kind of get more respect in football because i played sure. but i wasn't very good at football and a lot of the football guys were the ones that were honestly you know kind of making fun of me and picking on me and and mm. just really downgrading me and disrespecting me so i'm like you know what i'm gonna wrestle and hopefully that gets me in better shape it makes me better at football so i started wrestling in high school and loved wrestling i found out that i loved it much more than football and not only did i love it i mean you know, i was far better at it than football uh, it was the first sport that i had ever encountered and i've played sports my whole life it was the first sport i ever encountered that you could uh, you could you could out train any any we'll say deficits you had so you could you could out train okay. any limiting yeah. factors so i'm not a very athletic person at all but I'm a very hardworking person. Um, yeah. I'm a very tough person. So wrestling is one of these, like, listen, like you're not very skilled. Okay. Be in better shape than the other guy. And if you want to be in better shape, you can actually train that you can become that. So it was, it was the first sport that really rewarded 
work ethic over natural talent for me. Mm, and yeah. I love that. And I stuck with it. And then after high school, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I, I just know that I still loved wrestling. And I saw some guys at my, my local college on the mats doing what I thought was wrestling. Um, so I asked if I could join in and then I quickly found out they were actually doing takedowns to submissions. So they, uh, I kind of got interested in what that looked like. So I, I yeah. talked to them a bit, joined the, the MMA gym where they trained at the jiu-jitsu slash MMA gym and thought I would just train just to have something to do. And I guess two months into it, they asked me if I would be interested in fighting. And I said, sure. So I, uh, I took a fight at a national guard armory in Kentucky cause it was illegal in Tennessee at the time. So we went up to this <laughs> national guard armory and you, you step on a scale, you weigh in and they just go down the list and find someone else who weighed about the same as you. And then like, okay, you're, you know, you don't, I like, you don't find out anything about the person at all. You don't know. Who no preparation no, at all for him. Out. And, uh, <laughs> um, so I took that and I won in nine seconds. So yeah, <laughs> nice. so I'm like, you know what? I, I don't really know if I like this or not. I'm going to try again. So I took a second fight a couple months. Submission or knockout just, or what? Uh, what was a mix of both. So like the guy like kind of shot in and I shot a guillotine at the same time. And when we went oh, down, nice. It was, I mean, it was a submission, but it like rocked him when we went to the ground. So it was oh, kind of yeah. both. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I, I later found out that guy just took the fight because some friends dared him to go fight. Um, and he like lost <laughs> some a bet. Jerk friends are yeah. like, yeah. Yeah. And so then I took a second one. Uh, it lasted 42 seconds. Uh, won by triangle. So then like, okay, you know what? I'm going to take one more and see how this goes. Mm -hmm. And by that time it was legal in Tennessee. So we were no longer fighting in national guard armories. Um, so I fought in the first legal event in Tennessee and I got a concussion in round one. I gave my opponent a concussion in round two. So by round three, we're just hands down, just brawling, just absolute. Yeah. Just, uh, it's just unreal. There's one point I'm literally holding him by his neck against the cage and hammer fist at him like this. Oh um, it was just an absolute war. And then I fell in love with it after that. It sounds really yeah. weird. And, you yeah. know, had a good amateur career, then went pro and uh, just good at, for some reason. No, no yeah. I was good at fighting and I loved it, but I was going to school for nutrition. So yeah. uh, I started kind of just applying the nutrition to my own career and other people started reaching out and asking for nutrition help. So my fighting career became my professional career after that. So fighting is in one way or another led to literally everything good in my life. It was, you know, this, yeah. this incredibly violent barbaric sport has, has changed my life in so many positive ways. What were some of the, so you mentioned that the gym that you were at was uh, a jujitsu mm -hmm. slash MMA gym, but, and that was, because a lot of these have like different focuses, right? So was jujitsu kind of like your primary focus or where was, where did you train the most or what was your kind of preferential way? Yeah, of fighting? We, we were a, a jujitsu and kickboxing gym. Um, so, okay. so that was, that was what we trained most. I actually trained kickboxing more than anything, but it never showed in fights. I was always, if I could get my hands on you, I was taking you down. Even if I specifically yeah. planned and trained to strike, I just, you always fall back on your highest level of training. And I had been wrestling for years before. So for some reason, when, when I got rocked and I would get rocked almost every single fight, um, once I would get rocked, I was, I was putting my hands on you, picking you up, slamming you. And then 
beating yeah. you to submission or making the refs, you know, step in or that was just always what I did. But my style was more of a jiu-jitsu, but it's a little bit more of what's called catch wrestling. Um, like yeah. I'll very much, yep. I'll very much jump on a submission. Uh, I'll risk losing a position just to get a submission uh, because I love right. scrambles. Like I love the, the yeah. scramble and I, I kind of I always felt like where I succeeded was the middle points. Uh, like one thing I used to love to do was like get a guy against the cage, which is cage wrestling. But I would literally hold him against the cage and then start doing shoulder strikes into his sternum and shoulder strikes into mm. his face. And so I'm like, listen, he's not he's not trained that. He's trained on not getting take, taken down. He's trained on, <laughs> right. on fighting from out here. But has he trained on being held against the cage while getting shoulder? Being up close. Yeah. So yep. I always just had a, a weird, gritty kind of style and just kind of on in, in a lot of ways created my own style. But you also you're a black belt in jujitsu, right? Yeah. So how yeah how long was that process for you to to get to black? So I started training when I was 19, and I got it last year, uh, right after my or no sorry right before my 35th birthday. So from age 19 to 34. That's awesome, mm-hmm. man. Because I that's one of those things I just started. Um, well, almost two years ago nice. exactly now uh, was when I started jujitsu. So I, I mean I'm a blue right now, nice. but it's. I mean, it's so much fun, man. Like, there's so much that because I didn't have the wrestling background. Like, I played sports, I played football, I ran track. Like, that was my thing. I did both in college, but I never did wrestling. And like, I had a lot of friends that that was the winter sport, yeah. right? But I played basketball in the um, winter, and so I didn't, I didn't wrestle. Yeah. Um, and I, and looking back, like being a five, nine white guy, <laughs> I probably should have instead of playing basketball for as long as I yeah. did. But, uh, but I never had any of that experience. And so like when I actually started doing jujitsu and getting like that close, you know, you you wrestle and you play football and there's like some level of that combat mindset. Right. But it's like totally different when you're in that one, literally one-on-one moment and learning all those things and learning how to think oh, yeah. through different positions and that was kind of like you know everybody that starts I think has that experience where your first I don't know probably felt like 18 months for me the first you know year and a half like you're just trying to like escape and survive there's no thinking happening but when you actually have those moments you're like oh I can slow this down in my head and recognize what's going on and now I can actually like almost plan and maybe do some problem solving a little bit. Like that's when it becomes super fun and, and, and even more like real world applicable in my opinion. Cause in a lot of these instances, when you're talking like self-defense or whatever, there's so much of it is just like reactionary. Yes. Right. But if you're able to, in those moments, recognize what's happening and be like, okay, I can see body language. I know, I know enough to be able to think through this. Like you're, you're in a much better position just from a mental standpoint. Well, absolutely, you know? absolutely, and and that's one thing people don't understand. You know, they're starting to a little bit more, but everyone, everyone knows at least one guy who's like, you know, I would do that, but I don't know how to, I don't know how to fight for sport. I'm like, shut up, dude, because because right. me neither. <laughs> to be honest, like, I don't know the difference in in punching you to kill you and punching you yes. to make the ref stop in like like it's there, there's no <laughs> right. difference like if you're fighting yeah. correctly you're 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 theoretically you're going there trying to kill the guy and the ref's going to keep right. you from doing it you know there are there right. are some rules like i can't hit you in the groin i can't but like when i'm elbowing yeah. you in the face i'm trying to smash your face in like there that's that's you yeah. have to have that attitude and it's it's the, where jiu-jitsu and grappling is is so important you know like when you get in your truck 
Like I was thinking about this the other day. When I get in my truck, I could I could do everything with my eyes closed. Like you just after you've done yeah. it so long, it's it's like you reach yeah. for the belt, put the belt in, key in, boom. Like you don't have to like see everything. It's just touch. You know the feel, and yeah. that that's anything. Like you just you know the feel of everything where it's at. You don't have to think about putting a shirt on because you've done it every day. You just it's on. Well, when you've been exactly. in the gym for, for that many years and you, you've gotten so used to it, when it does become out, like even in the street, and I've, I've been in more more than I should have been, like like actual <laughs> altercations. I've done a lot of private security and stuff as well. Um, yeah. You recognize those moments. Your body recognizes it. So if a guy grabs you here, it's like that's, you know, like I know how to react to that because that's happened many, many yeah. times. Or you find yourself stumbling because that is what happens. Very rarely is a street fight this this well planned out pop pop they're stumbling you're tripping you know how to react right. to it and, and that's what people don't understand even if you're you're getting just just destroyed in your local gym your body is recognizing mm-hmm. and it's it's creating the, these habits and and uh, you know it, it's learning what to do with these situations this proprioception that can can have a place when when you know like when the rubber yeah. meets the road and it, it can save your life yeah, there's a there's a level of like I mean it's awareness is really the only word that makes sense to describe it but but you don't even realize that level of awareness exists until you start doing that type yes. of training. Like because even after even after just a few months like you start seeing things differently like when you're just walking oh, yeah. around. You know what I mean? Like you start looking at, you know, I'm walking into a store, I'm walking into a restaurant and I like see guys and I'm like, okay, if he comes over here, like, you know, like you start playing out these things in your head and people think that's like a form of paranoia, but it's really not like you're just anticipating. I mean, like you're seeing things differently and becoming more aware of situations. I mean, like, and if there was ever a time for that to be incredibly important, like right now is that time, you know, with everything that we see daily with fights and attacks and all of these things that are happening, it's that, that level of situational awareness, I, I would consider, especially if like, you and I are both husbands and fathers, like that's almost a non-negotiable Absolutely. at this point, you know, especially if you've got your kids around, you know, you've got two boys, I've got two kids and having that level from a protection standpoint, like that's, that's non-negotiable anymore. Absolutely. It's, it's, uh, I'll give you two, two stories to coincide with that. I was at the airport once and I was just sitting down and a few things over there. Uh, this guy was screaming at this flight attendant, this this young boy who who was at the front at at the gate, he was checking people in. But I guess this guy showed up late. The door had already been shut, and he's you can tell he's drunk. He's he, I guess he'd been drinking at one of the airport bars, and he's screaming at this guy, yelling just crazy aggressive. And like I can see, like I recognize, like hey, this guy's this guy's unsteady. Like this this could get ugly. Yeah. I'm looking, I see no cops. Well, he's screaming at this guy, asking him to let him in. And, you know, anyone who flies knows, like, they can't. Like, there's rules they have to follow. And so I just stand up and I just walk over. Like, I I very, like, quietly and politely walk over and just position myself behind the guy. Because I recognize, like, this is, this is a, this could become a situation and I just want to be ready in case it does. And sure enough, he reaches over the thing and puts his hands on, starts to grab the guy and tries to pull him over the thing. And I'm, I'm there within a foot of the guy and I would come up behind yeah. him, grab him. And I, I mean, I know how to rear naked choke a guy, but I also know that that could lead to, you know, lawsuits of my own, but where I still yeah, know yeah. how to handle someone. So I grabbed this guy on a rear naked choke. I put his arm behind his back 
put my foot behind the back of his knee and just bring him down and like bring him down very like peacefully to the ground, but in a very controlled position. Yep. And I sit there and wait for the cops. So the cops at this point have been called and the cops come. And when they get there, I just show them like, Hey, he's, he's fine. Like I've, I've not damaged him. I just stopped the situation. Yep. And, uh, and that's one of those things. It's not, you know, it's not like even, I don't even, it's not like a bravery. It's not heroic. It's, it's literally none of that. It's literally yeah. just, second nature like my thought was like yes i know what to do in that situation and i'm not sure anyone else does and i can tell by looking at this flight attendant who's very scared right now he doesn't know what to do so okay i'll just go help um you know that that's a situation that i have a friend as well who is a who's a teacher and he was discussing some of this stuff that's been going on well my friend has a um he's trained jujitsu for a long time and we were talking about teachers just to be honest I'm, I'm not a fan of the whole teacher should carry firearms i don't want that i mm-hmm. had you know i knew too many teachers in school like like i can i can name many many teachers that i do not want to, to have a, a, a pair of scissors much less a firearm but um I, I do think teachers and honestly anyone should have a form of self-defense and he was talking amongst other teachers like hey if this was to happen like what do you do and all the other teachers are thinking of, you know, they are thinking of ways to get the kids out of the way and protect and like where they can hide or how they can stay away. And him, his first thought is like, okay, I have this closet in my room that all the kids will fit. And then the first thing I'm doing is I'm getting next to the door as close as possible. Cause the fact of the matter is if that guy gets through the door, someone's dying, a kid, something's mm. going to happen to a kid. Something's going to happen to me. At that point, he's in the facility. There's nothing we can do. We don't have guns. So being someone who's trained for jiu-jitsu, he's trained with jiu-jitsu and wrestling, his mindset is, I need to get as close as possible to this guy. So I'm standing next to the door. When he comes through the door with a gun or whatever, the first thing I'm doing is grabbing at the gun, and then we're we're close contact. And at that point, he's relying on the fact that he has years of training to outweigh the fact that this guy has a firearm. And honestly, when you're – a firearm is close in a straight line and that's it, you know? So as long as you can keep that straight mm-hmm. line off of you, it becomes more even, but you know, it's like, it's, it's nothing against the people who don't have that training, but can you imagine like the empowerment of knowing, Hey, if, if this, I need to get as close as possible to this threat because I know I'm probably better trained than that, than that threat, how much more empowering yeah. that is than thinking, okay, what corner of the room do I need to try to hide in? You know, he's yeah, already exactly. forward thinking like, this is what I'm going to do to save lives. And, and it's, again, it's not a, a you know, it, I mean, ultimately if it ever happened, God forbid it would be heroic, but it doesn't come from a fact of, of like, I, I want to be heroic. You're not trying no, to be a hero like, just, in that moment. I just know like, what to do yeah. in this moment because I've, I've literally trained this kind of stuff. So it's, and, yeah. and that, again, that's just, that's just such an empowering thing when you can go and you can see bad things happen and you're just uh, you're more comfortable in that chaos than the average person so how do you when we talked about this a little bit before like we both have young kids um ours our two sets are around the same ages and uh yours yours are both boys so how do you talk about this or begin this process of teaching them this because you said yours are like two and five or something so they're still on the younger end but like that older one is kind of at that place where that can start to be something where we're, you know, cause mine is almost four and he like, we told him he can't start jujitsu no, until he's no. four because they actually told us 
at our school that they need to be five, but yeah. they told him that he could come in when yeah. he's four. Cause you know, we're, we're good friends with them. They're like, yeah, he can come in when yeah. he's four. We have a couple younger ones. So he's like jacked to start going this summer when he turns four. But you know, it's, it's, he wants to do it because it's fun and he sees other kids doing it. But you know, like you and I would know him doing that is also doing yes. a lot else for him, you know, that he doesn't even understand yet. So how do those conversations happen with your kids and how do you begin to instill some of this, these things with them? So my five-year-old, we actually put him in jiu-jitsu for a while and he, he hated it just to be honest. Like he did not like yeah. it. He, um, he wasn't like, he could have been good at it, but it was one of these things like he, he didn't, he was kind of scared and, and, and he just, it wasn't a good experience for him. So yeah. I made the decision with him to pull him out for a little bit because I don't want him to get a, a let a negative experience early on. And he wasn't, you know, re receiving necessarily like the best instruction. I don't want him to have sure. this negative opinion and never give it a chance. Cause I fully plan on, on yeah. reintroducing it. And then I've done, I do yep. some things with him. Like, so I do things with him. My two year old loves, loves roughhousing. And with him, it's little things. And, and almost every day I wrestle this, my, even my two year old. And it's little things like, like he's laughing, he's giggling, and I'm like holding him down and putting him, in, I'm like putting him in positions where he, he has to struggle a little bit to, to get out. And I just make him do it. So I, I make him have to get out of these situations and things. And to him, it's fun, but I also know that it's developing that awareness and that, that those tactile, those tactile cues. And with my two-year-old, he, he just naturally loves yeah. roughhousing. Um, he loves that. So my, my, my five-year-old, you know, he, he calls me dad and, and that kid is my son, but he's not biologically mine. I didn't come into his life until he was about, about a year and a half. But with my two-year-old, I recognized early on, um, how important like these, these little tactile sure. cues and stuff. So I'll literally wrestle him all the time and, and I'll hold him down and he's giggling and laughing, but I'm doing things like mm -hmm. pinning his arm and, and just doing things and just kind of waiting for him to react and letting him do it. And, and those tactile cues, just I'm my, my hopes are that those build up and that he gets yeah. more comfortable with those situations. Cause again, my five-year-old didn't have that um, until me. And at about age two, I started doing that with him, but that was already yeah. two years lost. Cause he didn't really have, have uh, you know, a, a regular male figure in his life before me. So um, my two-year-old, I'm just trying to get him used to those things. And, and my five-year-old, we've had conversations um, unfortunately, but I do, I think even at that age, it's important to have conversations and I don't, he don't need to know sure. that he's in danger at school. Like I don't, I don't want him to, I don't want him to, to, to think those things, but I have told him like, Hey buddy, if, if anything happens in school, like if there was ever something bad, cause you know, every five-year-old knows what bad yeah. guys are in their head. Like that, like you can have a bad guy situation. They watch Ninja Turtles or whatever. Um, I'm like, Hey, if any, if any bad guys were to ever do anything in school, I'm like, you need, you need yeah. to listen to your teachers because whether, whether or not I don't have, I, I do not have full confidence that his teachers know how to do it, but no matter what, they at least yeah. have a plan. Organized. My five-year-old doesn't. So I'm like, yes, exactly. There, there, there is something I'm like, Hey, you, you need to have a plan or you need to listen to your teachers, do everything your teachers tell you. If your teachers tell you to be quiet, you need to be quiet. If they tell you to go over here, you need to go over here. I was like, and you're going to be okay. I was like, because a good guy's going to come get you. And it's really cool. He was like, mm. like, you're going to come help. Yeah. Me. I'm like, yeah, buddy. Like, you know, like I would hope 
I would hope. But but I'm like, hey, like you're going to be okay. Good guys will always come save you because he doesn't need to to know that like you know there are situations sure. that might not work out that way. God forbid. But he needs to know two things. You need to listen uh, during a distressful time. Like you need to listen. You need to pay attention uh, to the people who are who are helping you, and and you need to just have the confidence that that yeah. you're going to be okay. So those are the little conversations I've had with him. And, you know, he's in, he's in pre-K, my two-year-old's in pre-K as well, but you know, next year he'll go to kindergarten. And honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm terrified. I'm yeah. terrified over it. It's, it's a, it's a, a horrifying thing. Cause again, I've done all this training and I feel very confident that I can help my family right. when they're with me. Um, you know, I have a plan for every entrance of my house. If something happened, I have, I have every scenario mapped out in my own home but i can't control what happens not around he's not with me yeah, that man. terrifies me that absolutely terrifies me i get but, it you know i just try to remind myself as horrifying as it is it's statistically very 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 rare and just try to keep my myself but uh, that brings up a good that. point too in terms of thinking in the realm of protection right because we because no matter how you know, if you want to go prepper route or if you want to just think I need to be physically prepared or you talked about like, I have a plan for every entry and exit in my home. I know exactly what our plan is. If we're here, if we're here or whatever, you know, people are going to call that. We said it before, like people are going to call that paranoia. That doesn't matter. Right. That's what you're, but what you're doing is having that, like, it's the same reason that training for so long, you build up those reps. And then when you recognize the situation, you're more ready to handle it. It's the same exact thing. We're talking about simple things that often get so overlooked, but are easy things to talk about. Like if you're a husband and a dad and you're at home and you're like, well, what can I do? Like you mentioned having plans for your, your home. It's like, well, first think about things like, can my door be busted through? Right? Like there are like, are my hinges on my door strong enough? Like, is my deadbolt strong enough? Like, do I have a camera that can see things? Is my house well lit? Or is it really dimly lit? Like there are things like that where if those things are taken care of, like 98% of threats are going to like be deterred by that. Like if your home is super well lit and it looks like people are active and living there and like you've got a camera and you've got like all these things, like that's going to deter most, almost all, like pretty much everything, you know? But then having the, and it's maybe, maybe not morbid is maybe not the right word I'm thinking of, but the idea of, if I'm going to be able to plan for this, I have to be able to think like this to a degree. Like, you know, I I have to get in that if I'm going to, if I'm going to cause harm to this house, how would I best do it? After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by big wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I first heard that Mint Mobile offers premium wireless starting at just 15 bucks a month, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them and using their service, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they're the first company to sell wireless service online only. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. For anyone who hates their phone bill, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just 15 bucks a month. I was hesitant about having to get a new phone and a new phone number, but with Mint, you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone and your same phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Mint Mobile gives you the best rate whether you're buying for one or for a family, and at Mint, families start at two lines. 
All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and to get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com/waypoint. That is mintmobile.com/waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com/waypoint. You know, and then like Absolutely. I, I, yeah. I you have to. You have to do that exactly. in hotels everywhere you go. Like I have I have I look yeah. at it like a bad guy. Like what would what what are the weak what are the weak points in this? Because here's the thing, and this latest school shooting shows you that this person specifically looked at things and chose that school because they had yep. done that homework. So it's like you 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 better be doing yeah. that homework. Like that's uh that's it. So I, I've told people before. Like listen, like do you lock your car door usually when you go places. Do you live in paranoia that someone's going to steal your stuff? Right. No, it's just become right. second nature, and honestly, it's easy. Like so, so that's the thing. It's not that you're some some paranoid paranoid freak. No, I, you just don't want your yeah, stuff stolen, exactly. and it's a very easy thing to push the lock button. Same with me. Like I don't want anything. I don't want anything to happen to my family. And it just so happens that for me, I have made a life to where it's as easy as pushing the lock yeah. button for me. Like I've, I can, I, I've, I've trained these scenarios. I know what to do in these scenarios, and it would be, in my opinion, it would be irresponsible for me as the protector of my my family to to not be prepared for those. Again, I don't think anything's going to happen. I'm a I'm a data and yeah. statistics guy. Statistically, it's right. not going to happen. But it's also not not a stress yeah. for me to to prepare for just in case it does. And that's one of the things that uh we talk about when when you talk about guys that, you know, carry carry firearms, concealed carry or things like that. And always one of the the more common uh like attacks or tries to arguments with them is like, well, what are you scared of that you need to carry this? And I'm like, nothing. That's why I'm doing it. Like, you know, I'm way less scared yeah, because yeah. I'm carrying than I would be if I wasn't. And it's like, that's part of the training aspect of uh, it. You know, like you're, I feel more confident, more prepared in any potential scenario than if I wasn't, or if I, if I was detrained or if I hadn't even at this point, just taken two years of, jujitsu jujitsu practice and classes and stuff like that's yeah. the point is you're always going to be improving in all of these things why not make yourself at least more confident in your own abilities to protect yourself and anybody around you like that's we talk about it like again i'll stress the point like if you have kids in a family that's that's a non-negotiable anymore you know like and yeah. and we see far too many neglect that and that and it, and that matters, and and your kids see that, and and they grow up and see that like I don't know if dad can protect us in this moment, and that's heavy. Like if you think about that, and and he, even just having that from a physical preparedness standpoint, there's all other things that we can do, but just from like being physically ready, like that's huge. That makes a big difference. Yes, it's it's a you know there's a lot to being a good father that has absolutely nothing to do with with you know, what we would consider masculine yeah. quality. Like there's, there's a lot to being a, a good father that involve other things that have nothing to do with that. But at the same time, you know, it's, it's your kid, in my opinion, as a father should see I mean, you, you are, you should be yeah. their superhero. Like I always said, like, I will never, I never want my kids to look at another dad and think, ah, oh, he yeah. could beat up my dad. It's not going to happen. 
like my kid, uh, I introduced my five-year-old to Thor <laughs> a couple weeks ago and, you know, we're watching Thor cause I'm like, yeah. you know, I want him to see these, these, you know, powerful male figures. And, and he was like, he's really strong. He was like, you're stronger though. Right. And I'm like, just instantly. Yes, no. I am. You know, but the <laughs> yeah. fact that he, yeah, yeah. That, that he just thinks I'm stronger yeah, than Thor. And, that's awesome. And, uh, you know, he's, he, he's told his mom, you know, he's told my wife before he's like, dad's, dad's the strongest man in the <laughs> world. So like, cool. Absolutely. I'm not, I'm not even the strongest man within 50 miles. Um, maybe not within 10. I don't know. But at the same time, it's like my kid has, he's seen me work out and he's seen me train and he's seen me do these things. So in, in his eyes, I'm mm-hmm. larger than life. And I'm like, that's, that's important to me because I want him to feel, you know, I want my kids to feel protected. I want them to feel like if something happens, like, like, Hey, exactly. go to dad, dad's going to take it, care of it. And they'll, you know, you have well, to have, well, not only that, but it. they see you doing all that stuff and that's going to register in their mind. Like if I want to be strong, like my dad, these are the things I need to be doing. Absolutely. And that's, I mean, cause we, everybody knows like kids, especially at the young age, they learn by seeing and observing way more than just by them being told things. So if, if they see you doing Absolutely. all that stuff, like they're going to know that that's important and they're going to naturally begin to have interest in that. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and I'm not talking trash yeah. about people who have video yeah. games and play with their video. Games. That, that's fine. But my, someone actually had the conversation. They were talking about their five-year-old, like we can't get him to do anything. All he wants to do is play video games. Um, they're like, what is yours like to play? I'm like, I'm, mine doesn't play any video games. They're like, how do you, like how was how is he like not interested? I'm like, we yeah. still have them. <laughs> yeah. I don't play them. Like I don't, you know, like I, I don't, I don't play them. So my kid wouldn't really like he's if he picked it up somewhere else. It's not a normal yeah. thing for him. Like, like my kids don't watch a lot of TV, but it's me and my wife don't watch a lot of TV. So it's just they don't they don't do those things because they're not really exposed to them a lot. Like I'm not I'm not saying I sure. won't let my kid, you know, like but it's not it's not a normalized thing in our home so it's just not a thing things that are normalized are fitness and trying to eat our best and we don't talk about dieting around kids but we do you know like my, my five-year-old knows why protein's important he knows that carb is an energy source you know like yeah. he knows those things because i talked to him about i talked to him about you know what what these you know principles of nutrition can do because i want him to make informed choices but it's like we've normalized the behaviors that we want our kids to have. Cause it, it really is monkey see yeah. monkey do. Like if you play, if you watch a lot of TV, play a lot of video games and just sit around a lot, your kids yeah. are going to do that. Like that's just, that's just normal. There's no, you know, I'm, again, it's not a judgment thing. I'm just saying, like, don't be surprised. What, if that's like the that case. is what you're, yeah, exactly. And you know, I, you know, to branch off into another tangent, but like I get parents all the time want to ask me how to help their kids eat healthier. I'm like, well, what are your kids doing? Like, oh, well, they're just snacking all the time, this and that. I'm like, well, you know, like, who buys the groceries? I'm like, well, I do. I'm like, <laughs> okay, like, your kid's not going to the store and buying buying these things. It's like, we have a rule in our house, outside of outside of alcohol, um, you know, if it's in our home, our yeah. kids can eat it. Like, if we can eat it, my kids can eat it. If I, I love Reese Cups, but, so, like, if I have Reese Cups in my home, like, and I want to eat them, my kid yeah. can eat those. So it's like if, if like we, we have the same approach, like we treat our kids like we do ourselves, like they're, they're limited in the same food options that mm. we're going to eat. And we care a lot about our health and fitness. So our kids just by proxy yeah. eat a lot of those things. And they are typical kids, their favorite foods, chicken nuggets, you know, that's just the fact of the matter, but it's like, they don't have readily available sure. snacks that they can just go to at all times. And, 
you know, and it's not, you know, if they go to a, if they go to a grandparent's house, they are more readily available, but I can only control what's in my own home. So we just control that. And again, it's, it's monkey see monkey do. So we just make sure that, that, you know, like we, me and my wife have, we're very healthy. We're very happy people. So we want that for our kids. So the same things that we feel have made us healthy and happy are the things that we want to surround our kids with and make available to our kids. Well, let's kids. go down the, let's start to go down the, a little bit of the nutrition rabbit hole since we were kind of leading into that a little bit, because that's, I mean, that's what you do now. And I'm curious because you coming from the fighting realm, like there's a very different outlook of nutrition in the fighting world and wrestling because of, of the weight cut aspect of it, right? Yep. Whether, and there's a lot of unhealthy ways that very high level, guys go about it still that would probably surprise people like about the things that guys would do to cut weight you know and so i think a lot of people see stuff like that and they're like well this dude you know dropped 18 and a half pounds in two weeks so he can make a fight and i'm like yeah but that's not the way people need to go about cutting weight right so Uh how did that inform coming from the fighting realm? Like how did that inform how you go about this nutrition thing and doing it in a way that's actually like sustainable and healthy for people. Right. Yeah. So, so it's, it's, I have to wear two hats with that. Honestly, it's um, just to be honest, ethically, it's, it's a tough yeah. spot for me because I feel like I'm among the best at what I do when it comes to helping fighters get on weight as sure. healthy as possible. That being said, it's still not yeah. ideal. It's just they're going to do it. So they should have access to people like myself who can help them do it as, as safe yep. as possible. Um, so I, I stand by that. that that's, why, that's why I do it, even though I don't like weight cutting. Even the healthiest weight cuts still aren't necessarily ideal. I have some that, honestly, it's a very modest diet and they sure. just make weight. You know, That's as simple yep. as anyone. But the vast majority are still having to do some form of weight cutting that – I would just say is not ideal for health and longevity, but they're doing it. So they should have someone that's going to help them do it better. You know, I've heard stories of guys, well, not even stories. I know people who have done it, but you know, um, like donating blood to lose weight, getting enemas to lose weight, uh, bulimic, like, like going bulimic, doing things, um, you know, like drinking sodium mixtures and stuff that'll make them have osmotic diarrhea to the, the amount of things people do to make weight are just absurd. So, you know, you have people like myself coming in and, and for the first time, some of these fighters are eating good. They're, 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 you know, they're, they realize they don't have to be in scalding hot water to lose weight. They don't have to do all these things. So I'm very proud of that. But ultimately, um, my passion also lies with the general population. Cause what I like to say is if you help a fighter, you help a fighter get on weight, that's a very short term sure. success. It's helping them make weight. But if I can influence the way a mother eats, I could influence the way her kid eats, and then maybe their kid. Like it's, it, it can pr- promote generational yeah. change. And to me, that's a much bigger deal. And I also see it as kind of a, a charge to, you know, a, the, the nutrition realm is filled with so, gosh, it, it's, it's, it's so yeah. much garbage. It's, it's, it's not even funny. It's unreal. And people will fall for it. And I used to just get so frustrated with people. I'm like, how, how can you be so, so, so stupid? Like, how can you be so stupid? And then I'm like, you know what? It's not stupidity. It's Mm. ignorance by the actual definition of ignorance, but they just, they just don't know better. You know, the average person doesn't have, they didn't grow up with any nutrition knowledge. They didn't study in school. 
So they see people with like doctor next to their name saying this. Like, well, it must be true. You know, you have carnivore MD. Well, this guy's a medical doctor. I'm like, well, they don't know his number one, he's a psychiatrist. And number two, like, like even your medical doctor at home, like didn't study nutrition. Like they didn't specialize in nutrition. They might've taken community nutrition and then one or two other very small nutrition courses, but they didn't actually practice nutrition in a therapeutic setting. Um, so people are being misled by these people. You know, there's, there's, you have pharmacists coming out now promoting nutrition because they've recognized like, Hey, like in pharmacy, you're very limited on the Mm -hmm. money you can make. Like, like the, you can only go so, so high up on the ladder, your job's your job, but I can now become the pharmacist who talks bad on, Mm. on medicine and tells you how to change your nutrition because ultimately I can sell books. I can do podcasts. I can do all these things to, to promote. And that's where you're seeing more and more of these, these honestly like medical professionals coming in and, and leading people astray. And, uh, that's number one, that's disgusting in my opinion. Um, and then it's just, it's the barrier of entry for providing nutrition knowledge is, is so low. Like it's almost, you know, like if you're a, if you're a woman, you just have to look good. And all of a sudden you're a voice of interest. People want to know, what do you do to lose weight? I'm like, right. Like, like, you know, like genetics, yeah. she's got genetics. She's never got had to lose weight once like, in her life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of, yeah. So it's like, and people are going to listen to these people and it's absurd to me, but so I just want to you know, and the goal of my Instagram is to simplify the, the information because the, the science of nutrition, like the actual practical biology and science of it is, is pretty simple. And it really is to lose weight, eat less than you burn, to gain weight, eat more than you burn. But as we all know, in practicality, that is much sure. more difficult. And the psychology of nutrition is far more complex than anyone realizes. Your body is designed for homeostasis and nothing else. It doesn't care about how you look. It doesn't care about how you perform. It cares about how to keep you alive. And if you've spent two, three decades of eating more than you should and doing these things to to make yourself overweight, your body has now determined, hey, this is where we need to be because this person cares so much about being overweight. Like they're constantly eating more. They're constantly not burning enough calories. This must be where we need to be to, to settle down in this environment. So as soon as you start changing that, your body will hold you there and it does everything it can to, to, to keep you there. But people need to be armed with the, the, the knowledge to understand that like it is as simple as eating less and doing a little bit more, but it is much more difficult to do that. But here's are some ways to help you understand and do that. Number one, one thing I, I promote a lot is sustainability. Yeah. You know, quality matters. Quality absolutely matters. But if all you care about is eating the, the best quality food on earth, but and, and that's the only thing you do, but you're only able to do it for two weeks, guess what? It didn't matter. Yeah. Like it didn't work. Um, you know, so it's 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 you need to find that balance. And I don't think there's enough people out there talking to people and giving them obtainable goals and obtainable solutions. And and that's really what I want to do. Like I I try to provide enough information on my Instagram that if someone follows me on Instagram, never pay me a single dime, they can still make a lot of progress. And I've had several people, I think it's four or five at this point have messaged me that at some point lost over a hundred pounds within a year of never paying me a dime. They just follow me on Instagram um, and, and listen to what I say. And that, that's my goal. I sit down on, the weekend and plan a week's worth of posts. And, you know, the question I generally come back to 
each time. You know, like I'll have a Thursday, a throwback Thursday or something. It's just a picture of me bleeding <laughs> and all this. But you know, when I when I post uh, when I post things, I ask myself, it's like, is this is this information that that can actually help people? Because I also think there's too many people out there providing information to show people how smart yeah. they are. And I'm I'm not interested in that. I can go off on a on a you know a nutritional biochemistry tangent if someone wants, and I can talk about these things. But why? Yeah. Like if it's not if it's not palatable and people can't understand it, you didn't influence yep. anyone. Um, you know, and you you see that you see that so much in the fitness community. These people talking over people's heads. I'm like, dude, if if someone has to Google search what you're saying to even figure out how to yeah. apply it, like you're not helping people. You're trying to show people exactly. how smart you are. Um, and I'm not interested in that. I always want to simplify it. I'll even ask my wife who is my wife's very, very smart. Um, uh, and she knows, you know, more than the average person about anatomy and physiology because of her job. But at the same time, I'll ask her, I'm like, does this make sense? And there are times like, eh, like you need to, you need to pull that back a little bit and water that down sure. a little bit. Uh, cause I want to make sure that it makes, you know, perfect sense to everyone. Sometimes I'll send it to a friend of mine. Uh, or a group of friends who know nothing about nutrition, but I want to make sure before I post, you know, if you took this, you immediately know how to apply yeah. this. And that is my goal. I think the the simplification of it, it for that exact reason, because I mean, I, I worked in like the big box gym setting for a, for a few years and it was all kinds of people who were just there to use all of the big oh. words that they had just learned from their most recent certification to oh, yeah. tell people about all this stuff. And it's like, they don't like the people who would actually care about any of that are the people that you work with, not the people you're trying to help, you know, like that, like the ones that are un, that even understand this version of it. Like the reason that it can be so helpful is because you now know how to take something uh, as a concept and make it really easy to understand. And that's like where I always, I always see or, or assume that someone's a good coach is when they can explain something to me, like, you know, like the Michael Scott from the office clip where he says, explain this to me like I'm five, you know, like, yeah. like if I'm going to, or if I'm going to explain it, like for our kids, like we're talking about our kids, like you got a five-year-old, I got an almost four-year-old. Like if I can explain it to them and they have, you know, they can at least somewhat understand what I'm saying. I'm like, that's, that's good enough. You know? Um, and one of the things that I really like, <clears throat> and, and it's a little phrase or, you know, something that I've seen you say a lot in, in your Instagram that I'd like you to kind of maybe elaborate on is, you know, if, if, if and, and I'm going to butcher it. So you correct me on how it's said, but, uh, like if, it, if it's macros, if it's what your calories in, if it's what you weigh okay. macros, how you look and, yeah. and vitamins or whatever, how you feel. So like if yeah. I butchered that, so it's, correct it and then elaborate. <laughs> it's yeah. So I say cal calories determine what you yep. weigh macros determine how you look and quality determines there how you, you feel. And what I mean by that, your weight is managed by calories, period. If you're in a calorie deficit, you will lose weight. If you're in a calorie surplus, you will gain weight every time. It, it does not – every year there's some new person coming out saying they've disproven that, but you know what? They've never actually been able sure. to do so. Like uh, you can't it, – it's impossible. That is that is the law. Um, we know that. But you lose weight and look horrible and feel horrible doing it. Um, you know, like we – so then we go into macros. We know – that even if calories are equated, if I have these two theoretical people that weigh 200 pounds, they have the exact same metabolism, just everything about them is the same. Again, this is theoretical. This wouldn't happen. But I have this, the perfect balance of parallel people, and I put them on the same deficit, 500 calories, um, you know, 
a day, they have 3,500 calories a week, they're both going to lose weight. Like, and in fact, that weight loss will be almost virtually identical in terms of number. But one of them is on a higher protein diet and one of them is eating very, very low protein. Even when calories are equated and weight loss is equal, the person who study after study shows the person who has eaten more protein will have maintained more lean body mass, meaning they burned a higher percentage of fat and less percentage of muscle mass. The other person lost some muscle mass in the process as well. Um, And honestly, when we're all talking about losing weight, like nobody wants to necessarily go from overweight to looking, or most people don't want to look skinny. We want to look like we have muscle. That's what we see when we see someone that looks lean. Uh, We don't see skinny. We see their muscle pushing through. So that's where we talk about that. You know, calorie or macros determine how you look and then quality determines how you feel. You can absolutely, absolutely lose weight following, people have done this, uh, following a McDonald's only diet. It's completely possible. You can lose weight and, 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 you know, look better following a poor quality diet, but the numbers don't lie. You're, you're still going to see some, some issues in your blood levels. Now that being said, you know, if, if you needed to lose weight, even if you lost weight following a complete horrible diet, you're going to see some positive health benefits just from weight loss alone. But if we equate that again with someone who, you know, in a calorie equated situation, someone who had the higher quality foods versus someone who just ate whatever, but they fit it into their macros and calories, you know, whether they both get to the same point, but the person who who prioritized quality is going to get, they're going to be in a better overall situation. But all three of these things matter. And that's, that's what I want people to, to understand. You know, I said that one day completely just, I was just topping and it just kind of came out and it kind of became like a, Golly, that that one catchphrase started getting shared at all these yeah. places, but like these big, big Instagram feeds and stuff. And that one catchphrase might be the you know, it's told your my shirt, wife, man. Like, you might want to just put that up. <laughs> yeah, put that on my stone when I pass. You know, right? <laughs> well, it's it's interesting because that I mean that concept, like like all three things matter, like you said, and it mm-hmm. seems like it's three different levels of those things because I would imagine. And I can and I can give you the examples from like guys that that I've worked with, what like their readiness to adopt a new nutrition practice. A lot of them maybe aren't ready for the level three where we're talking about like the quality and the macros and the calorie point point of that, because that means exactly. they're now applying all three of these things. That's likely a hundred and eighty degree lifestyle change on day one, right? But if we're but if exactly. they're like really big dudes. And they're like, look, I need to lose some weight. And like, well, look, we can we can dial back on intake, control portions, increase your activity, and then like we'll just focus on that first. Then you get to a different place where like now we'll start working in some some macros, make sure we're eating enough protein, that kind of stuff. Then it's like so there's like almost stages yes. through all of these. So optimal Absolutely. would be let's apply all three of these things. And I think because you mentioned like the psychology of nutrition is like where most people are totally jacked up uh with how they think about food and like their attachments and emotional attachments to nutrition and stuff is really like truly the hardest part of nutrition is the the psychological aspect of it and when you think about it in those stages i think it might be even even and that's the point again it might be more palatable for a lot of people to understand or even apply when it's like look start here then you graduate then you graduate again right 
Yeah, and and different people can start on a different exactly. one. Because the fact of the matter is, if you're eating just absolutely just poor quality, and you only start focusing on quality, that yeah, make by a itself is going to be a better caloric yep. situation, a better macro situation. If all of a sudden, excuse me, um, you just start focusing on macros. Okay, I'm not going to look at my calories. I'm not going to look at quality, but I'm going to make sure I eat more protein. All yeah. of a sudden, you're probably going to start eating less calories. The quality is going to be better. So it's like if, you know, like I try to figure out who I'm working yeah. with and, and I'll do something called goal layering. I'm like, okay, this is this is where we start. Uh, let's start with this. You know, like my own mother, um, you know, your, your family's the hardest to influence. And after almost 60 years, she decided she wanted help. Oh, well, I guess I, you know, 30, 34, 35 years <laughs> yeah, being here. Um, but, uh, you know, she's tried most of my life to, to uh, approach things, but, you know, she always would do them wrong or, you know, I even look back times I tried to help her. It never worked because this was in the early days. And you know how it is. Anytime you learn something new, you think you're an expert, but then like the more, more expert you become, you feel like you know nothing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I can't remember what that's Dunning called, Kruger. but it's, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's very yes. true. Like in my, my, my bachelor, I was like, oh man, I'm ready. I was like four classes into nutrition. <laughs> like I know so much. And you're like, now I'm finishing a grad degree, um, you know, and I'm like, wow, you know, it's, it's, I, I do feel like I know a lot because I also have a decade of actually doing yeah. this, but I'm starting to realize that not only do I not know hardly anything about certain subjects, no one does, yep. especially when it comes to something like the, 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 gut microbiome i love that when i see someone on their instagram it's like gut specialist i'm like no you're not because that's the people who actually have dedicated their life to doing that will be the first to tell you we don't know anything yeah. like all we know is that it's so complex that we don't know what's going on and that's on. only been a, i mean and in terms of everything that's a fairly yeah. recent like field of specialty yeah, you know like Couple if that even it seems like it, and even only yeah. in the last like five or six years is that something that people even feel comfortable talking anything about so yeah. it's like there's and, and, i mean there's so much there that we know like that's going to be a huge yeah. thing but there's so and much you have some girl at your you have some girl at your <laughs> local gym like selling selling supplements on her on her instagram she's like i'm a i'm a gut and hormone specialist i'm like no you're not you're hormonal and you figured out a way to make your stomach feel better <laughs> Like that, like, like, stop, like, you're not a, you're not a specialist. It's not a thing. Like, you know, like you're, and that, that's what it goes in the difference. And I talk about this with my wife all the time. Everyone's like, I, I researched it. I'm like, no, you didn't. You searched it. And there's a difference. There's <laughs> a, vast a YouTube difference video in, in, of somebody who did yes. do research. <laughs> yes. There's a big difference in conducting research yeah. and going on Google and searching for things that confirm your bias. Mm -hmm. Those are very different things because you are going to find it. If I go on, if I believe the earth is flat and I go onto Google right now and I search for proof that the earth is flat, I'm going to find a lot of evidence to support my bias. Yep. But what people don't do is, is I, I would encourage people to just go down a hole or out a hole, but I would encourage people like if you are, if you are anti-vaccine go and I'm, I'm going to go both ways. So I'm not giving up opinion here. Like this is just a very, I would do this with yeah. friends cause they know me. I'm the very middle of the ground, like no BS guy. If you're anti-vaccine, instead of going online and just searching everything you can about why vaccines are yeah. bad, try to convince yourself. Otherwise go on there and find things that tell you why you should take a vaccine. Mm. If you're super pro vaccine, don't go on there and be like, like how does the vaccine help? Like, no, go on. And if you're wanting to actually find some stuff, Find every every journal, everything you can that gives you the opposite opinion, 
and like study the opposite and opinion then make and an see, actual you know, informed decision. Yes, yes. And again, look at peer reviewed articles. Like, actually look at studies. You know, with that, that, oh gosh, I could rant all day because this last, whether no matter what side of the, the pond you're on when it comes to, you know, these last few years, now everyone's like, you can't trust the science. I'm like, shut up. The science is the only thing you can trust because true science is the only thing that is cyclical and it's constantly trying to prove itself wrong. What you can't trust is is you know your pothead brother-in-law's opinion of the situation and what you can't trust is this politicians what this politician is pushing because they have a monetary that you know they get monetary gain from it yeah. you can't you can't trust the perversion or even i mean can't I, trust I, I, and honestly even like some actual people who are in the field I mean, there, there are people that are just as as compromised. They're manipulating this exactly, and so or That's and it. so the you science, talk. The exactly. science has pretty much proven itself right on every corner with everything. Yeah. The only the problem is, you know, like science is constantly changing. That yeah. is what it's doing. What happened? And again, I can I can talk about this stuff, and people still won't really know where I fit on any situation, <laughs> right. which is my goal. Because like the science will say something, and then people are like, well, the science changed. I'm like, That's literally what the science does that is the goal of it it's it's to observe and then you know you form a hypothesis and then you you experiment and you observe and then you it comes back into the cycle like hey this is what we know well now let's try to find something different let's test that and see if we find something different and that's what happens but what happens is you have these medical professionals and politicians who come in during that cycle and they say nope we're going to stop right here and we're going to pretend that this is absolute truth I'm like, no, like we got to, we got to keep cycling this year to year to year. And that's what you're seeing in terms of COVID and the vaccines. Like we're seeing as more actual science comes out, things are changing, yeah. which is how it's supposed to happen. But again, it's like the, the true science you can trust. You can't trust politicians. You can't trust any, any medical professional that has, you know, a financial gain by telling you this information. Yeah. You know, so that's like one of the again, first, not, that's one of the first questions like that I've, I've heard, you know, it was, it's something that it took me a long time to get to this place. Right. Cause it, I, I don't want to assume skepticism in everything, but yeah. like there is a level of skepticism yeah. in everything and there. And like, that's a healthy way I think to look at it because yeah. that means you're going to look at every possible angle. But like Absolutely. when you see something, whether it's a nutrition study, whether what, whatever it is, like ask the question, who does this benefit from this study? Like, and and people aren't usually willing to do like even that first level of like what we actually said is research to dig like even one level deep to find out a lot of this stuff. They're just like, well, what is, what's the name of the study? And then what's the two paragraph abstract say? And that's as far as I'll go. Like, I'm not going to yes, read yes. who did it. I'm not going to read who paid for it. I'm not going to read yeah. where it came from, if it was a yeah. legislative thing, right? You know, like Absolutely. all of these things matter. And that's a lot of the stuff that people don't even bother to look at. Correct. And it's so complicated. Honestly, yeah. I thought I knew how to break down research until I've had to take several university courses literally on writing research. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, like there, there's, you know, I'm not going to say who it is. But there, there is a guy out in the world, in the on the Instagram world, who talks a lot about nutrition and you know has a lot of followers. Mm-hmm. It blows my mind. Uh, I don't get it, but he loves to provide research links to the things he says, and people are like, oh, you know, like he's got research. I'm like, when you go to that research, you find, you know, and this guy's written books and he has all this stuff. I'm like, 
the thing that he's talking about, the research that proves what he's saying, he wrote the research. <laughs> and then when you go when you go to the author, the mm. author, I remember how it said, like like the author. Um, when it goes to, um, gosh, what I'm getting on a tangent, I can't even remember. When it talks about conflict of interest, yeah. that you know the author. The author declares no conflict of interest. I'm like, really? <laughs> like, you mean the author who's writing the research to support the book that he wrote said that there's no conflict of interest? Because there absolutely is. Uh, and you know, it's 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 it blows it absolutely blows my mind. But it's it it is complicated, and and people just need to you know, it's as simple as this. I've I've told people before. I'm like, ask why yeah. until it makes sense. I'm not going to like, like we'll go with, go with a simple one. Like, oh, you know, like soft drinks are bad for you. Yeah. Regular soft drinks are bad for you. Okay. Or, or we'll go diet drinks. Diet drinks are yeah. bad for you. Why? Well, because they, why and how, you know, because they cause cancer. How? Uh, you know, you usually stop most people there. I'm like, oh, well, well, it was shown in research of this. I'm like, oh, why? And the more you ask why and how and actually start to, to demand answers. Number one, you find out most of these people don't have answers. Yeah. You know, like there, the buck stops like shortly after you stop asking them questions, and then eventually, like you ask questions till it makes sense. So, anyone you have toddlers, you understand this. the The most annoying thing a toddler does is ask questions, and they want to know. You're like, bro, why? You don't need to know that. Why do you not need to know that? <laughs> and when, then, you know, like we spend their whole their whole life as a toddler. We we spend, you know, unfortunately, so many times, and I challenge myself to do better about this is telling them, giving them BS answers and just, mm. and just dismissing them. But I'm like, man, like as adults, that's powerful. Yeah. Like, they need to, they need to be, we need to be asking why. Like, I don't care if you, if you know better than me. So, so there's got a Dr. Lane Norton, uh, PhD, nutrition sciences. Lane is an absolute brilliant, but Lane will make claims that I'm like, you know, like by, by all definitions, it's, it's, it's probably true. Yeah. If Lane says it, it's probably true but I'm still going to go research sure. it on my own. And I like Lane, you know, like we talk a lot and like, but I'm not just taking his word for it, yeah. exactly. you know, but the thing is, is people like him, they will also normally provide research and they'll, they'll provide, they'll provide you the opportunity to go in and, and find arguments to the things they're saying. And, and, and that's what I think is important. I, I want people to question things and, and, you know, like even me, like I love it when people go on, they ask me questions, I'm going to give them an answer to it. There's a lot of these people you'll find out, carnivore md and and some of these people like you you go through and look in their instagram feed and people are asking them questions and they, they're not responding yeah you know i heard I, I called them out for that once and someone goes oh you know like they're really busy i'm like this is actually their job like, people are millionaires <laughs> busy doing what? because of what they're doing on instagram yeah. it's like no like i don't care like if you're going to make claims you better be ready to answer people's questions on why yeah exactly well i want to let's let's close it with you know, your, your one catchphrase, I think encapsulates a ton of really great concepts in a very simple way. But if we're going to nail down, I'm going to challenge you here to say, like, give me a, like two or three, like what should be the priorities, right? Like not necessarily getting into the nuance of how each person should individually approach this. But like, if, you know, we, we talk about probably protein, high protein diet is something that can be beneficial. Like what are some of these for, for men specifically, right? That, if you did these couple of things today, like you're going to be in a better, better spot. Yeah. Uh, number one, number one is important, but it's, it's not even necessarily nutrition related and it's move more. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying work out. I'm, I'm, 
Like not at all. I know today. So for instance, just for me today, I'm, I have a lot of things to do. So I'm not. I'm going to be sitting a lot today. I'm, I'm getting a yeah. lot of things done actually for some research. Um, so I'm going to be sitting a lot. So I woke up 30 minutes early so I could just go on a walk. Like just to be active. Like it's 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 be more active. Get up. Do more. Stand more. Walk more. Turn off the TV. Go play more. You know, like like just be yeah. be more active. I could I could go on entire rants over that it's like it's amazing how many activities you find to do when you turn the tv off like i'm i've had some friends i've been real hard with you know like i've i've when it comes to that i know that they're just obsessed with their video games and this and you know i've had these discussions with them but hey you need to be more active i'm like well you know like i don't really want to join a gym i'm like dude i'm not saying you have to do that i'm saying if you want to play your games fine but turn the freaking thing off set a limit turn it off and you're going to be amazed at the activities that you find to do. You may actually go sleep with your wife and improve your marriage because you're not sitting here playing games. Right. Well, there's a lot of ways we can start to find activity when we don't distract ourselves with technology. So that's a, that's another good one. Um, so <laughs> increase your daily activity is yep. number one. Number two is lower your portions. And I'm not even, I don't care what you're eating right now. If, if weight loss is a goal, especially just eat less of it. Like still whatever you're doing, if you eat four Oreos as a snack, eat two, like lower your, lower your, your portions yeah. right now. And then number three, start increasing your protein. Yeah. Those are three things that people can start like immediately that aren't that hard Yeah. and can already start to start to create new and, and, and make, uh, make changes that then you could build on. Yeah. I'm a big fan. I'm actually writing a little small ebook that I'll probably give out free a guide on how to make goals to change your habits like it's it's we 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 go in all at once and we don't have to do that if you're the you know if someone heard that first thing about activity and your question is well how much activity i'm like okay how much are you doing right now do more yeah if you're not if you're not working out any days a week going and doing one day where you just do 20 push-ups 30 squats and whatever that's all of a sudden more yep and as soon as you start finding out how, you know, add a little bit more, add a little bit more, keep doing it as much as you're able to consistently do. You don't yeah. have to go from zero to a hundred. That's why people quit. But those would be my, my three biggest things. Just move. Again, I'm not even saying workout. I'm saying move more, eat less and increase your protein. The top three things. I think those, those first two, I mean, while they are probably things that people have heard before, right? Like ha- ha- hearing you describe them in that way, I think can be helpful because, when we're talking about like if it, if it's a weight loss thing, right, and we're trying to create a deficit, I think a lot of people think the only way to do that is to eat less. But when you're thinking if it's less than I burn, well, what if I just start burning more? Like that's also increasing the deficit. Even if like you theoretically were to eat the same, if I did more during the day, I'm going to increase that deficit because I'm burned more. Right. So, I mean, this is another one of those things where it's like you can do one or two or all three of those things and see some kind of improvement from wherever you are. So it's a matter of like, like you said, take the simple, the one that you're going to be able to do and know you're going to be able to accomplish it for as long as you can and just let that compound and let the compounding effect take over there. So yeah, set, set, a, set achievable goals, like yeah. set a goal that you can achieve, achieve it, then set a new one and achieve it. It's like with you, you were, you had talked earlier about basketball. If you would have, if, if you had a goal in your life of getting into the NBA, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. Like the problem is the goal. That's not an, uh, that's not a realistic goal. You already right. said, you know, like for, 
for your God-given attributes and, <laughs> right. and they're like, you were not destined, like you weren't built, like nothing, yep. you know, same with me, nothing about me says this guy should be in the NBA. So if I set that as a goal, I'm an idiot. That's unobtainable. <laughs> right. But you know what? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a stocky, hard headed dude that can work hard. I'm like, yep. hey, okay. You know, like wrestling, being a good wrestler, it's a pretty realistic goal for yeah. me. You know, so it's again like you set goals that you can accomplish, accomplish them, then set new ones you can accomplish, and just keep building on those. Yeah, man, I love it. Well, thank you, Tyler, for making time. It was a pleasure to to chat today. Um, Give everybody your your links and your Instagram and everything like that, so everybody can follow and then ask questions and check you out if they've got stuff they need to talk to you about nutrition wise. Yeah, man. I don't know. I, I mentioned vaccines. I might not want to give out any any personal information. <laughs> <laughs> Even though you I gave, you said opinion. both. You were both. Yeah, you played the fence. Um, <laughs> used to that would be enough, but now if someone feels strongly for <laughs> something, you have to be strongly for it, or you're strongly against. But anyway, um, <laughs> ethosnutritioncoaching.com is my website. Ethos, um, e t h o s, ethosnutritioncoaching.com. My Instagram handle is Tyler Minton Nutrition, T-Y-L-E-R-M-I-N-T-O-N, which I assume will be attached to this. Um, yep. Tyler Minton Nutrition is my Instagram. And, and like I said, I'm constantly posting posting quality content. I make an aggressive effort to post quality content. Yeah. Um, you know, as far as business goes, it's the thing I pay attention to the most. I know that's silly to say, but I care that much about yeah. it. I, 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 you know, I don't schedule anything else in my day except my Instagram posts. Um, and those are the best two, the, the best two you can fill out applications or you can find any other way to reach me through those. Awesome. Well, thanks again, man, for making the time. I really appreciate it. Awesome. I appreciate it, man. Have fun. 